once came another man who... Style of tall. Go ahead. I'll be honest. I, I played a very high standard. Young, a superstar. Give some lessons. Determination. Was extremely Welcome to the Chess Underground. Eccentricities, peculiarities, and theoretical moments. And I felt be down in flames. My style. My style skills. I only do so. From a distance. Welcome back to the Chess Underground. We are here in August, and my guest joining us this month is the manager of the Environmental Public Health for Lynn County, Iowa. I'm here with ANTD Jim Hadina, who I will let talk about himself. Thank you, Pete. It's uh, wonderful to be here. I've heard many of your podcasts and anxious to be able to have my turn to be able to, to speak with you. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so. As you mentioned, I work in public health, which is certainly an interesting time uh, during COVID uh, as we are responding and helping all kinds of organizations manage their activities uh, during this pandemic. So I've been able to learn a lot of things uh, and apply a lot of those things, uh, even to chess. And hopefully we'll get to talk a little bit about that. I am a coach, organizer, uh, instructor for for chess here in Iowa. And, uh, obviously, I do a lot of tournament directing uh, with my cronies, uh, Eric Vigil and um, <laughs> Bill Broik. Who uh, is that? Their official title? <laughs> cronies. <laughs> cronies. Yeah. yeah. So uh, together we work really well, and which makes uh, TDing in Iowa and organizing in Iowa really special because. Uh, we just are a team. We work together and we're always supporting each other. And when somebody needs help, the other two are always there. So just about any tournament that any one of us talks about in the area, you can count on that the other two are somewhere in the, behind the scenes helping out. Very cool. And now I, I just wanted to clarify, you are an Associate National Tournament Director as well, correct? Correct. And uh, I guess FIDE National Arbiter. Fantastic. So I imagine these days, um, the life of a manager of environmental public health is rather busy. Would that be fair to say? <laughs> yes, it is. Uh, so like many states, we had our closures and our reopenings. Mm -hmm. And with that came uh, orders from the governor and directions on exactly how to open, how to maintain social distancing, wearing masks, the ever popular uh, debate. And then, of course, uh, nothing I do per se, but our nurses are very heavily in doing the contact tracing as well. Okay. Wow. I'm also, I also serve on our school board. I didn't mention that in the introductions. And so I often am an intermediary between the schools and public health and, sure. of course, volunteering at the school. You know, I think it's really important to, to get all of this stuff on record. You and I were talking right before we went live about 
you know, how 20 years from now, <laughs> we're going to look back on what we had to do to run a chess tournament, hopefully, fingers crossed, and yeah. just think, wow, things were like that then, you know? And <laughs> and I think I think back, you know, just imagine, for example, if we had podcasts in 1918 for, you know, the, the Spanish flu, and we could just look back and listen to what what a chess tournament was like, like back then, what, what measures you had to, to go through just to convene a group of people, right? Well, that's an excellent point. We are doing that right now as we look back at schools, mm-hmm. kids going back, and how that happened and what worked well or, or what happened uh, to kids that potentially could have been exposed during the Spanish flu. So we do look back at mm-hmm. uh, okay. 100 years ago and learn those lessons. So maybe in another 100 years, uh, <laughs> they'll be figuring out uh, things that we did and Maybe we're setting precedent on how to run online tournaments and things of that nature. <laughs> so that's fascinating. I mean, I, I know this isn't a chess topic, but but it's going to get us to a chess topic that I'm really interested to ask you about. So I just want to go a little further. You said you actually do look back at what happened with the school openings and the kids in 1918. What source material right. do you visit or what do you look at to learn about that? Well, uh, public health is a discipline just like engineering or computer science or any any other medical field. Mm-hmm. And so there are historians within those fields who have documented uh, what happened, what transpired, uh, pulled together records. And those are just part of history, just like any other historical topic. And so it's documented mm-hmm. and we're able to review that, whether through academia or through more uh, publicly available information and, and draw upon those experiences. So back then they were wearing masks. Back then <laughs> they were practicing social distancing. That The amazing thing is that we have to keep repeating the lessons that we learn and not just picking up from where we left off. Right. Yeah. I mean, um, what's the, the, the famous phrase, right? Those who do not learn from history are, are doomed to repeat it, I believe. <laughs> Absolutely. It does feel absolutely. like that that sometimes these days, doesn't it? <laughs> yes. So, okay, speaking of these lessons that we've learned, um, my, my most recent guest, as I mentioned, was Eric Vigil, uh, your crony, official crony Eric Vigil. And, <laughs> well, I'm his crony too, so I don't want to take sides. Co-cronies. Cronies in partner? Partner cronies? Is that a fair term? Well, I don't know what crimes we're committing, <laughs> but we are partners. Yes. Okay. Um, so um, I, I was really fascinated to ask Eric and to discuss with him the recently concluded Iowa close. And that's when I found out from Eric that, you know, you were sort of um, organizer, advisory role. Could you walk me through your involvement there? And also, sure, you know, a little bit of the background in terms of how did you approach this running an in-person tournament in the times of COVID? Well, it's important to note that the Iowa Close was an invitational tournament. Mm-hmm. You had to qualify. Pete, you've played in it. You certainly know that. Sure. And um, so we had time to talk to the individuals, understand what their issues and concerns may be, identify what, through my practice in public health, Eric, in fact, is, uh, is a nurse working for the University of Iowa Hospitals and Clinics, also had excellent experience how to put that together to ensure that uh, 
people would be safe while playing in a tournament. Obviously, when you're sitting across the table from each other, you're not able to maintain social distancing. The six foot separation for more than 15 minutes. So then the next step is to implement personal protective equipment. Um, we required that everybody wear masks. One player chose to also wear a face shield. Okay. I saw one player wear gloves. We provided hand sanitizer. At all the tables, we disinfected all the pieces in between matches. Players even figured out their own way to capture pieces without touching the other person's piece. They would place, say, a pawn on the square of another piece, just displacing the pawn. The opponent would pick up their captured piece, put it off to the side of the board, and then the initiating player would finally adjust their piece to make sure that it was centered on the square. And they moved on. So we're obviously playing small, or short, or long time controls. Our time controls were game 90 plus 30. Right. No more than two games per day. It was played over three days. So that really helped. We controlled the environment. There weren't spectators. Do you, the, do you uh, view this? TD even wore the... PPE. Yes. I apologize for interrupting. I was just going to ask, you know, I'm thinking about your description of how the event's unfolding. And I'm thinking about, mm-hmm. you know, where we are right now. Do you view this as a scalable model or was it only achievable within the confines of this smaller invitational tournament? There are advantages to the smaller uh, tournament. Mm. One thing CDC asks that if you are going to have a gathering, that it's much better to have a gathering of local individuals than to bring people from other states or regions or across the country, Mm. because that is the vector of transmission that really can uh, create the, the community spread that we see in the United States. So that makes it difficult. Mm-hmm. For example, I, re- I was talking to, uh, in conversations with other TDs, and the National Open came up, and they were looking at uh, doing similar measures for that Open. Our procedures may be the same, but whichever, you know, there are a lot more people. They're traveling from farther um, places, corners of, of the United States. You may have someone from regions where there's a large outbreak versus regions where there's very little community spread and bringing them all together. And then they all go back. It's kind of like what colleges are facing right now. Sure. And then you have to send all the kids home when you, when you cancel class, right? Yeah. Or even later, you know, when there's a holiday, Thanksgiving, anything of that nature. So in fact, we already saw that uh, after spring break, Nobody went back to class right. because, you know, you're just going to be bringing all of that back to your campus and, and spreading it amongst those who weren't already infected. You know, that's interesting you brought up the National Open. That, that's a tournament I love. I've played in uh, many times over the years. Actually, my first ever Chess Life article was about that event. And I saw that they initially had it scheduled in June. They put it back on the calendar in September. 
And they even changed venues. I don't know if you caught this. They moved it over to the Paris Paris. No, I have not uh, spoken with Al mm-hmm. or looked at the tournament since uh, maybe June when we spoke. Okay. So I'm not even sure what the current status of the event is. I just know that he had some very, very well thought out, very detailed um, measures in place uh, for that event. And it would be very interesting if it did did, did occur and what the outcome is. Right. Hmm. So in terms of, you know, moving moving forward, so we, we go from like, a, let's say a closed invitational event. I know that, you also initiated a tournament which is currently on hold, the Scholastic yep. Ice Harbor Open, um, which I've yep. heard is just a, a beautiful venue, and the kids love it. I have several students who play there every year. Um, how, how do you envision something like that working? Is it just going to have to wait? Is it something that um, there are different measures that can be taken? For, for our listeners who don't know, maybe you could even give a little background on what the Ice Harbor sure. is and that sort of thing. Sure. Sure. Um, so in Iowa, it's a small chess community compared to just next door in Illinois or Wisconsin, Missouri, for that matter. Confirmed. And, Everyone uh, in Minnesota. Iowa knows each other, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's absolutely right. And like I said, there's just three of us who run all the tournaments uh, most of the time anyway. But uh, the problem was it was, you know, that's what it was. People didn't know anything outside of the tournaments in Iowa, didn't realize that chess nationally was such a, a big uh, big event on a national scale. But trying to get somebody who's played a few local tournaments to then get in the car and drive to Nashville for K6 championship or something of that nature was well, quite a feat. Right. So what... I and Bill Broich wanted to do initially, Bill Bill helped spur me along here, was to create kind of a regional event. There's not really a Midwest Scholastic Championship. Sure. And so I knew the place I wanted to have it. I thought it was a great idea. And that was Dubuque, Iowa. Dubuque hosted uh, or had this beautiful convention center. It was just constructed. They had attached hotel. The hotel had a water park. Uh, what better place to hold a chess tournament than than at a water park, right? <laughs> a scholastic. I, I, I'm picturing kids, uh, you know, kind of sliding down the slide with a magnetic board on their lap right now. <laughs> well, my favorite memory in the seven years we ran it was uh, one kid running in with into the tournament hall. <laughs> this game had started. He had a swimsuit on, oh, goggles no. around his neck, and a towel over his oh, shoulders. No. Sat down, <laughs> moved the piece, hit the clock, played the game, and then when he was done, he just ran back out to the water. Just park, so- you know? Was he sopping so- wet when he came in? Like <laughs> well, <laughs> he was wet. He was wet. I don't know. Sopping. Okay. By the time he got from the water park, maybe he had had a chance to dry off a little bit. His, his varying degree so- of wetness had, had gone down a bit from <laughs> sopping to like only medium. Okay. So, so over the years, it's grown. Um, we get people equally distributed from Illinois, sure. Wisconsin, be it Milwaukee or Madison, Green Bay, up into the quads, uh, up into um, Minneapolis, St. Paul area, Rochester. We've had people from St. Louis, Omaha, Texas. I think we had someone from Maryland last year come. Okay. 
So it's been great. It's it's not the scale of say the national or even a a, a national scholastic event for sure. Mm-hmm. But uh, it really got people exposed. We had a huge fifteen thousand square foot playing hall. Wow. Every every player has their own table, six foot table. The floors are carpeted. We had a separate Skittles room for all the parents. So it was really nice, and people have enjoyed it. We offered team trophies as well as individual trophies. I think well over half of the entry fees went to trophies. Uh, Tried to make them to the size of a national championship event so that kids were walking home with a four-foot trophy that they could barely (laughs) carry. That, that, that's one of my favorite parts of scholastic events is watching oh. the kid who's got a trophy that's bigger than he is, you know? So it's, it's been a great event. Everyone who comes just thoroughly enjoys it. Uh, we throw in some blitz tournaments some bug house events, which every kid of course has to play in and right. it goes well. Uh, we've then since added a master expert section that's FIDE rated. And then I, Turn that into an open master expert section to, because there are just only so many master experts in, in our four state region that want to come all the way to do <laughs> might as well let them play, right? Right. You know, um, two years ago, uh, uh, we had a, a GM from uh, Minnesota come, uh, Andrew Tang, who I'm sure everybody knows. Oh, wow. Yeah. A very famous GM. And that, 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 that was great. Just so hold on. I'm sorry. I, I have to say this. So the Penguin GM played in the Ice Harbor. Yes. <laughs> and got beat by Joseph. I was Joseph Juan and withdrew and went home. Wow. <laughs> uh, Joseph is no joke. I, I've played him twice and I've only managed a half a point. Yeah. So yeah, Joseph, excellent player, excellent player. So that's been really good and it's been a great experience. And it's certainly disappointing that we're not holding it this fall. It was how I met Glenn Panner. He came to the tournament in its first or second year, brought his son. And then Glenn thought so much of it, he invited me to be a floor TD or section chief in some of his events. And that's how I started working the national events and all the way up to where I'm currently as an ANTD. I would have never made it there just because I we don't have the size of the tournaments here in Iowa to be able to right. get the credits uh, to sit for the ANTD exam. You know, I think that's going to be really encouraging for a lot of small state TDs to hear. You know, essentially your story is this. Look, we wanted to create a, a regional local event. We wanted to make it nice. And, you know, as a direct result of that, you started on this path towards upping your TD level. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. It wasn't what I set out to do. But, <laughs> Isn't it amazing you know, how many my, things in life that's true about? It's not what I set out to do, but. No, no, I never, never anticipated, never really wanted to be in a, uh, in a TD. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, there's just a void there that, that opened up. Uh, I, I started uh, my first endeavor in classic chess was with my son who was in second or third grade and Went to the principal, said, "Hey, I'd like to start a chess club here," and she was excited. Of course, having other opportunities for kids, so we did it. And then, by happenstance, somebody else was running a club over at the middle school. They 
asked me to come over and meet with their staff and said, hey, we'd like to start a chess tournament for our kids. And I said, okay. Uh, I remember uh, watching TDs run tournaments. I could do pairings. <laughs> I think I could do this. Now I got to ask, well, we don't this want is a to question run... that I have to ask every TD, and I apologize for cutting you off, but did you ever run an event with note cards? I didn't. Yes, I have done that. <laughs> but where I learned to do that is from, from my early years uh, watching Roger Gottschall do it. Okay, yeah. And uh, when I was at Iowa State as a student, he ran the Ames Chess Club and had me very active and got me signed up as my first club TV. <laughs> uh, that expired, but I went back, obviously, and got that. So uh, when I'm here at this meeting about my, my kids' chess club and wanting to start a, a, a tournament at our club or at our school system, and I said, yeah, I can run one of these. And they said, well, we just don't want to run one. We'd like to kind of run a series, maybe three. Hmm. And I just gulped. <laughs> <laughs> so what I, have I gotten myself into? <laughs> <laughs> and I'd never even so much seen WinTD. I'd heard about it. And went out and bought the software and advertised. And so we ran tournaments at the school, gave away nice trophies. I had then started taking my kids to other tournaments. Hank Anzies was the scholastic director sure. yeah. for the state of Iowa. I learned so much from Hank. He was just was an awesome, awesome teacher on how to run tournaments for scholastic players. Gave me a lot of great ideas. Uh, Hank eventually stepped back from running scholastic tournaments uh, at the state level, at least. And you and I actually, Pete, kind of stepped in and have, took it from there. Sure. Uh, Hank, I and remember so, wrote one of the best guides I've ever seen for you know my first tournament guide. Yeah, 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 yeah. He was he he was a he is a very smart tournament director and certainly more experienced. I think he's a senior TD, but mm -hmm. he's certainly much, uh, much more capable in terms of, uh, running, running complex events and so forth. So, so anyway, that led to running all ages events, eventually the Iowa open, and then, of course, we've talked about Ice Harbor and how that got me into national events. Right. Now, the Iowa Open, were you involved the years that it moved to Coralville? I was not. Mark Capron led that effort. Okay. Um, I know that you came up to Cedar Rapids, where I live, and played in the Iowa Open. Mm -hmm. And, uh, in fact, I think Hank ran it there one year. Well, somebody did, maybe. Because I played in it, you and I tied. I was fortunate enough not to have to play you. <laughs> That's ringing a bell. That's ringing a bell. You're bringing back my my lovely old Iowa memories. Which and I and I was so happy I tied for first place, but you went on tie breaks easily. But I bribed you and I bought I bought the trophy from you, <laughs> and I still have it downstairs by my computer. <laughs> That's a great story. I love that. You know, I I um. There is like some charm about small state play, you know, apart from what we talked about earlier, how it's kind of like a small town, you know, everybody knows each other, everybody knows each other's names, right. but 
you know, you develop these memories playing at like a local event. I remember playing in uh, Wesley Ferguson's, you know, workplace cafeteria, for example, you know, yeah. yeah. <laughs> or yeah. one year we had the Iowa close. I don't know if, if you were uh, there for this one, but we had the Iowa close in Marshalltown, Iowa, which is like literally in the center of the state. I think they like advertise that as like we're in the center of the yes. state. And if you've seen a map of Iowa, like the smack dab center of the state is like the middle of nowhere. (laughs) And we were playing the Iowa close to determine the state championship in a corner office, essentially. Um, Yeah, just these these memories getting stuck in a snowstorm. (laughs) Is that like the, the rite of passage? You're not a real Iowa chess player if you haven't gotten caught in a snowstorm on your way home from a tournament. Oh, definitely. And as a tournament director, you're always scared to death that it's going to start the day before your event. Right. You won't have anybody show up. But, uh, <laughs> Hashtag Iowa problems, right? Yeah, the the, the, uh, the listeners know, in I, Florida right now are just like, what are they talking about? <laughs> but, you know, it, all of these, uh, just starting out small, as you mentioned, uh, it's good for smaller uh, chess communities to know that you can can make a lot of progress because we we've gone from you know a state with one or two masters like you and Tim would be battling it out for first place in about every event to now a, a state where we have many masters several at twenty three hundred. Um, That's just so great to hear, you know. Like it, honestly, yeah, no, it's just like wow, where we started and where we are today is is great, you know. Mm-hmm. They just played the uh, the Barber Danker Rockefeller events and so forth. And you know, we, we finished in the middle of the pack against you know and, and scored better than some of the bigger states. So So for our listeners who, who don't know much about these events, um, the invitational events, the US chess um, yearly state invitational events are really cool. Uh, they started off and they've grown. You know, they started off, I think it was just the barber. Or no, excuse me, it was just the Denker for a Denker, while. Yes. Just the Denker. And then the Barber was added. The Denker is the tournament of high school champions. The Barber is the tournament of uh, state middle school champions. We have the Herring, which is the um, tournament of girls, girls state champions. And we have yeah. the Senior, um, which is, of course, the, the tournament of senior state champions. And what I think is really cool is the team element to it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I actually... Got to play in the first senior invitational. I, I won the uh, qualifier from Iowa. And mm-hmm. I got to go play. I think it was in Madison at the time, and that was it was special. It was really cool. Still have a picture of all of all of the qualifiers together standing on stage from Iowa. Oh wow! That so that was the and that was the inaugural rendition, yep. right? Yep, yep. First year the the senior was added. Correct. Team Iowa. That's really awesome. Do you remember how you guys did? Oh, boy. So the way I the think, way team score is calculated is they yeah. take um, the, the total score from each of the different invitational tournaments. So, you know, your, your player in the Denker, however many points they get, added to the player in the Barber, however many points they get, added to the player in the Rockefeller, however many points they get, added to the player in the Herring, however many points they get, and and added to the player in the senior, and that's your team score for your state, correct? correct. Okay. I know that all but one player finished 500 or better. Where that placed us, I can't tell you. Arshak, 
who's our current state champion, Arshak Salim. Mm-hmm. He was our representative for high school. Um, I don't think Joseph was. It's really just really fun anymore. for me to hear that because I remember Arshak, uh, Arshak's father approaching me when, when he was eight hundred. <laughs> you know, yeah. And and one of the first yeah. things Arshak ever told me was, "I want to be state champion." <laughs> <laughs> and you just kind of like, okay, yes, all right, don't get too. Excited. Yeah, we'll we'll work on that. <laughs> <laughs> and you coached him, if I don't. I did for a while. Yeah. Um, and, and it's just really, you know, I think that's honestly, to me, that's one of the really rewarding parts of, of chess is, is when one of your students really, you know, excels and does well, but you're a coach too, correct? Pardon? You, you also coach is that that's correct. Yeah. Yeah. Coach or manage <laughs> uh, maybe is a better word. Sometimes I, I certainly coach our, our scholastic. Sure. Uh, club at, at, at schools, but uh, we put together something I'm really proud of, and that's a traveling team of chess players, and I'm, I manage that. Yeah, you told me it about is, this idea, which I, I have to say I love. I just absolutely love this. As a, as a former traveling soccer coach, I think this is one of the neatest things I've ever heard. So that's exactly where I got it from. I had some of my scholastic players at, at, at the school mm-hmm. that I teach at, coach at uh, oh, I'm sorry I can't make the tournament this weekend we're traveling to Kansas City and you know we paid all this money and if we don't go we still lose the money and we probably can't play in the next event blah 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 you, you know the stories sure. so I was jealous I was really <laughs> envious of the commitment that the kids and the parents had to this organization and couldn't quite get it that level from the sixth graders at an elementary right. <laughs> chess club, right? So I organized uh, a traveling team and went out and invited the top players from our region of Iowa, Iowa City, Cedar Rapids, to participate in our traveling team. And we had two coaches, uh, Dan Brayshaw and Arshak Salim. Arshak and Dan, or Arshak current state champion, Dan, former state champion. And we would do just like you do in a traveling team. We would have mandatory practices. You have to show up at the practice. We would have homework assignments. And then we would travel around the Midwest to tournaments with the coaches. So we'd go up to Minneapolis. We'd go over to Chicago or down to St. Louis and play in these national events and when the kids get done they come back our coaches are there we're going through the games with them analyzing them using all of that input building it into a database sharing it back with them and then using that as material for for our lessons coming in the future how did you we have go ahead we have our own we have our own team jackets we have t-shirts bags (laughs) team swag Uh, i got I, I bought chess boards with our logo on it. You know, I bought a professionally designed logo. So yeah, it's all on there, team colors. And we walk into the tournament and we've got, you know, 12, 16 kids all in our team jacks. It's just like the, you know, some of the represent scholastic representatives on our US national teams. Sure. They've got those blue jackets with all of the impressive uh 
uh, logos and things on that. And so I wanted to, I wanted them to feel like that. And it's turned out to be just a great experience. Kids in different schools get together and meet at our practices and our tournaments. Parents are very engaged. You know, you have their commitment. Charge a, we charge an upfront fee just like on a traveling team. Sure. And so then I take care. I buy memberships on chess.com for the kids. I buy their, you know, all of their gear, their entry. I get them entered in the tournaments, pay their entry fees. In fact, I'm one of the top 10 gifters on chess.com. Wow. Is that all from this traveling team? All from the traveling team because I collect everybody's fees and I sign them all up, gift them all (laughs) chess.com memberships because we're all gold or platinum members so that we can do puzzles and training and Mm -hmm. and matches and things like that. In fact, this summer we played in the uh, clubs league national uh, international tournament on on chess.com and went four and four in match play in the large division. So we were pretty proud of that too. Yeah, no kidding. So I'm curious, you know, as you were sort of explaining how the system works, how do you, you know, when I was a soccer coach, one of the things that we had to do every year was we kind of had to look at the tournament calendar, you know, and decide where do we want to travel to, you know, what events do we want to play? How do you, how do you make those decisions? Do you look at only scholastic? Do you look at open? For the most part, we play in only open, but usually class events. Okay. So we play in the Midwest class. We've gone down to St. Louis and played in the Mid-American Open. We have gone to a couple scholastic events where, or U.S. amateur events. We went up to Minneapolis two years ago and played in the uh, uh, U.S. class championships, and we won the uh, class A championship and the class B championship Okay, and had several places in the other sections as well. But uh, what I do is I, I just look at the calendar for the year. I come up with maybe eight, six to eight tournaments. And then I put it out to the parents and ask for them to vote Okay, and end up taking the top four. This was the first year where I put out, I created two schedules one a an Iowa based schedule and another one the regional based schedule and you could pick from both or some players pick both <laughs> and went to all eight tournaments. Hmm. Do what makes the class tournament format you know so appealing or or so good for this particular group? Well, you can put the students in the right section where they're going to get strong competition. Sure. You know, maybe play up a class if they're interested. Mm. Always going to get good, strong games. You're not in the Swiss system where where you're traveling a long ways and you're waiting till your fourth round before you get a, you know, a game that you are going to have a, a comparable uh, opponent right. and can learn from. So, so that works really well. You can place people in in whatever section because our players were everywhere from one thousand to to two thousand. So. Yeah. You have to have a tournament that, that they all can fit into well. Right. What's it like managing a bunch of uh, middle school, high school kids, you know, on the road at a tournament? Well, they're, I, I don't take them. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. I, 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 You're <laughs> just the, 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 the parents have to take okay. them. We don't, we don't pull up in the bus and sure. everybody get on and parents all wave by. <laughs> uh, <laughs> road trip. I knew better than to get into something like sure. that. Sure. Yeah. But, uh, so the, just like traveling teams for soccer or softball, baseball, 
Uh, yeah, the parents take them. Uh, I give them all the information to make their hotel reservations. They have to make their own reservations. We certainly carpool where we can, sure. but uh, rarely, rarely, and then maybe I can think of one occasion or two where I actually chaperone the child individually, but it's always the parents. And in fact, when we go to places, they're, they're tourist destinations as well. So the families maybe go a day early or stay sure, early late yeah. and to do some other things. Going to St. Louis is always a hit where they can go over and see the U.S. Chess Hall of Fame. And uh, so I think it would be tricky in a small state like Iowa, but it sounds to me like what you need is you need some more traveling teams, <laughs> you know, get, get some more traveling teams. You can, you can have matches against each other, leagues, divisions. I, I love this idea. Same. I think it's great. And it started somewhere with soccer. So I can't, can't uh, classic chess go there too. I also have to say, I'm a big fan of the name. Uh, that that you told me for this team, so yeah. I, I got I, I, it's it's the Iowa Pondstormers. Yeah, and and help me out. Did this? Where did you get the inspiration for that? So the the first year we didn't have it, right? Okay. So we had a contest, and I told everybody, of course, hey, this is the great part about being in, in the inaugural class of of, of our traveling team. And we had all kinds of names out there, and the kids voted on them. Mm-hmm. And we had it between the Iowa Pond Stormers and the Blitz and Rooks or something like that. Mm-hmm. And came down to the – and they picked the Iowa Pond Stormers. But I found logos for them all. They got to vote on uh, the whole package, just not the name. Now, in Iowa, there's a, an arena football team called the Iowa Barnstorm. That's what I wanted to ask about. I was curious if there was some inspiration there. So it kind of fits. It's obviously a good chess term. It's a fantastic chess term. I agree. And and it's like a name, you know what I mean? It's like a name you would associate with a team. Yeah. So it it just, just all came together really well. and, And it's certainly here to stay. Nice. That's great. So Jim, you know, one, one question that I've, been asking all my guests um this is the second season of the chess underground and i'm i'm looking at tournament life you know certainly we've talked a lot about that today everything from you know what tournament life is going to look like in the foreseeable future with covid to uh, traveling with a team to running your own tournament um i think out out of my guests that i've had so far you certainly are one who has a wide range of experience in the chess community and so one question I've, I've been asking this season, and I'd love to hear your input on this, is, you know, what what advice would you have for a TD or an organizer who is coming up and, and maybe hears some of the things you're talking about and is thinking, you know, hey, I'd like to do that. You know, how, how can I how can yeah. I get there? Never underestimate the impact you have. I get so many wonderful emails from parents thanking you for organizing or volunteering to help the kids. I felt in our community that there was, if I wasn't going to step up and do it with my background, my ability to teach chess, my organization, then who would? And then that would be a terrible miss uh, for chess in, in a lot of these kids' lives. 
certainly my own kids' experiences made it rewarding. But the thing I'm most proud about is continuing this on, even though now my kids have graduated college and doing their own thing. We've done other things like chess camps, and people keep coming back to the chess camps. People who are alumni of the chess camps come back and want to help out. Arshak, that we've talked about quite a bit today, sure. he, he started, he actually helped me get the first chess camp going. And he's told me the only reason, or one of the reasons he's helping us with now teaching our traveling team is because of that experience as a kid. Wow. And he said, boy, if I had a traveling team back when I was that age, I can't imagine where I would be today in my chess career. Right. And as I mentioned earlier, before it was maybe two three masters usually yeah people like you who came to iowa for college and then after a while moved on it's so gratifying to see kind of what i would call our homegrown masters right uh like our like danbury shaw james neal that, i think uh, broke 22 james neal james neal grew up he's yeah. yeah he's a u.s master he he helps with our chess camps our our coaching he does a great job now in the iowa city area organizing and teaching he's got such he's in about five or six schools now um, he's come up to my school to help teach uh, a second a second class as well so yeah you're seeing that and it's and it's just wonderful good yeah I you know you mentioned something as you were talking in there um, about the chess camp that you initiated um, yeah and I, I think I remember this was about 10 years ago. Am I about in the ballpark? Cause you had, you had asked me at the time, although unfortunately yeah. I was unable to, to help out. Is that about right? About 10 years? Yes. It's been 12 actually. I oh, think wow. you were okay. expecting your first I will, child. That's exactly right. She just celebrated her 13th birthday. So bam, there you go. <laughs> now we know. So you said no, and we're expecting, I can't promise I could be there. We just never know when it's going to happen. Right. And so yes, you, it would have so been you, in August, so right? Yeah, yes. uh, July, late July. Late oh, okay, okay, late. yeah, because her birthday's August. Yeah. So. yeah, yeah, but you're right. I mean, you didn't know. How do you know? Right, it could be a couple of weeks early, whatever. So I had to venture out because, like I've been saying, back then there was you and maybe one or two other people around. Right. So I went up to Wisconsin, and uh, Alex Bentinelli had played in the last Iowa Open. And I happened to play him a game, and so I met him. And I reached out to him and asked him, hey, um, I need some professional instruction down here for our first chess camp. And he was all in it. Nice. And he and Eric Santarius, who's now an international master, thanks to our chess camps, I'm quite sure. But uh, he uh, also taught with, with Alex. And we had 16 kids, I think, our first first camp now we routinely have 64 kids and that's just because it's the cutoff point we don't let any more than that or it's just too many yeah mm -hmm. uh, both dan and james have been coaches along with alex and eric in our chess camps for the last several years this year we had to go to a virtual chess camp right and we did that on zoom and chess kid 
We, we cut the enrollment in half. We, we limited to uh, 32 kids just because we weren't sure how we could manage 64 kids online. <laughs> right. Yeah, that would be tricky. Even even 32, I imagine, would be – well, you probably have them in different Zoom rooms, right? Different groups based on skill. Yes. Yeah. We, yeah. So we'd bring them all together, and we had four breakout rooms, and James Neal, Dan Brayshaw, Eric, and Alex would then go into their breakout rooms with eight kids each. Mm-hmm. And they would teach, and then in the morning, and we'd rotate between instructors for different classes, long breaks. In the afternoon, we played tournaments, did puzzles. Uh, we would do simuls online, things like that. And it turned out to be just a great experience. Had a, an amazing number of kindergartners and first graders. Couldn't believe it. Wow. And some of them are playing in the – I know that a couple had never played chess before. Or they can't. Well, they played before, you know, played this year, started playing and enjoying the camp. Right. They went in and they played in the U.S. Chess, U.S. Uh, U.S. Chess Chess Kid tournament. That oh, that's awesome to hear. That's great to hear. Yeah. yeah. And so they were in on that. And what an interesting Alex time to now. like start your chess experience. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> you're doing virtual chess camps and you're you're playing in the first ever U.S. Chess Chess Kid partnership. That's got to be that's got to yeah. be unique. It is. Well, I have a kindergartner who played in that and did pretty well, finished over 500 wow, and good. just started playing chess this year. Uh, and his mom's like, so what's a chess tournament like? <laughs> I don't understand. It, you know? And I'm like, well, it's anything but what you're going to experience. Yeah, this exactly. Like, how do you, how do you begin to describe like an in-person chess tournament when, you know, when this is what we've got? Yep, exactly. So but he did well, and she's interested in getting his kids some private lessons and so on and so forth. So the we're filling the filling the funnel or filling the pipeline with our with our young young kids for to replace those Gokuls and Dangavels and uh, the the next generation of homegrown Joseph Wands that are moved have moved on to college. And, you know. that's great to hear. I mean, you know, as you know, I was a longtime Iowa player. And you're right. I mean, we had a, a dearth of, of not only strong players, but players in general. And I know, you know, thanks to the work of yourself and the cronies, if I can call them that, um, that has changed by, by quite a lot. And it's wonderful to see. Yes, it is. Yeah. And we miss you, Pete. <laughs> hey, one, once I get a break and, and can take a few deep breaths, I would love to come back for an Iowa Open. That's one of my favorite tournaments on the calendar. The Burlington Open, one of my favorite tournaments on the calendar. Yes. And, you know, I've played, actually, I, I recently I was asked this question, and I don't know why I was asked it now, you know, in the, t- in the time when we're all social distancing and isolating and stuff. But I was asked how many total states I've played a chess tournament in. And the answer, if I calculated correctly, is 37. Wow. Which is, you know, compared to some, that's like no big deal, right? But the reason I bring that up is out of all the places I've played, you know, some of my absolute favorite tournaments on the calendar year are in Iowa. So it is a really fun place to play. And uh, in, in, in the words of the, the late great, or not late great, he's still kicking, Arnold Schwarzenegger, I'll be back. <laughs> <laughs> Just great. Yes, there you go. Well, you'll always be welcome. Well, Jim, um, this has been wonderful. Thank you for agreeing to come on and, and chat with me and, and share some of your insights and your experience and your knowledge. Um, do you have any parting thoughts or anything you'd like to leave our listeners with? 
Oh boy! Shout outs. Yeah, everything is everything is on the table. <laughs> Dissertation, shout outs, anything you want. I, I I think the question that you asked me that I think is most relevant and reflective is you know what what can you say to other people just wanting to start out, just trying to uh, make make a small change and and start small, think big. You're there is such a need. And it's such a great opportunity to be in chess right now that no matter what you do, I think people are going to be excited um, by the opportunities that, that anyone can bring through organization, directing, uh, coaching, managing, however it is, uh, whatever your passion is, uh, you can contribute in ways other than just playing chess. Yeah, I think that, that hit, hitting the nail on the head, absolutely. Um, you know, I've, I've seen so many communities where just one motivated organizer can make such yeah. a huge difference. And I, I think, um, if, I, if I can say it, I think you're a great example of that. So, so thank you for, for coming on and sharing that insight and walking us through, you know, your chess experience and your uh, tournament life, if you will. Again, my, I really appreciate you, you being here. Thank you for having me, Pete. It's been Tactical a struggle. Thank you for listening to the Chess Underground, a U.S. chess podcast. Please check out our entire suite of podcasts, which release every Tuesday, and include Ladies' Night with Jim Shahad, as well as Chess Life cover stories and One Move at a Time with Dan Lucas. U.S. Chess would like to thank Jason Andre at Seven Season Films Photography and Media for a podcast production and editing. If you are starting your own podcast, visit www.7seasonfilms.com for consulting, production, and editing. Until next time, signing off, Pete Karyanis.